Hi, and welcome to Match Cut, the movie podcast where we take two movies with the exact same rating on IMDb and break that tie. My name is Aaron. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Matt. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Before we get started on today's episode, if you've got an idea for us, you can reach us in one of two places or both. You can reach us by email at matchcutpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at matchcut. If you've got a movie suggestion for us or matchup you'd like to see. So, Matt. So, Aaron. What uh, stories have you been getting into this week? Oh, you know, I uh, I finished Mafia Definitive Edition. Fun. So I I feel like robbing a bank in the 1930s because <laughs> as long as they didn't see your actual face <laughs> and you didn't get caught, you could just get away with it, obviously. Yeah, no witnesses, no crime. Well, even then, like, what are the witnesses? Ah, he was a man in a mask wearing a fedora like all the other men. In a pinstripe suit, yeah. No way. (laughs) He he had a Thompson. Hmm. No one. Must have been one of them doughboys. Over there. Over there. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so yeah. Other than regretting that I can't rob a bank in the 1930s. Um uh, we watched uh, Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt. We did. S- speaking of gangster movies. So Killing Them Softly is a movie set in 2008. Yeah. Uh, they want you to know. What do you think the thesis of that movie was? Uh, the only people who make money are contract killers. But even he gets screwed out of money. <laughs> Times are tough, yo. I don't know. Um, Because, like, they, we talked about it a little bit while we were watching, but they kind of, what's the word, languor? Linger? They kind of ruminate on this point of, like... Belabor? Almost, but not, like, quite with that negative connotation to it. Mm -hmm. They just spend a lot of time on how, like... (laughs) Yeah, how these people are, like... These criminals, like there's tiers of criminals and like some of them are all right and some of them are terrible people and some of them are horrible people. (laughs) And I don't know if the point is to be like, see, there's good people everywhere because I don't think that's it. I think it was also kind of making like a vague allegory to like America as a whole. Hmm. Like, it's very pointed that they set it in New Orleans to me. Right. Um, yeah, it just kind of, it just kind of is a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. bad. There's some good acting in it. Not too much depth. It only starts getting good towards the end and then it just ends. <laughs> Like that, yeah. that that beginning part just kind of like I don't know. It feels yeah. too much like that director wants to be an auteur, like uh, a Paul Thomas Anderson or something. Mm-hmm. But he's not PTA. <laughs> few few people are. I don't like Paul Thomas Anderson movies, though. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the podcast is over because I'm a fraud hack. <laughs> Yeah, I. 
But that's like, that's kind of gangster movies, though, at least for me, like watching um, The Irishman, it just kind of is, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if that's the attitude you're supposed to take towards crime, like, ah, just kind of is, you know, it is what it is. Thanks for ruining that phrase, Trump. But it just. Oh, don't bring politics into my completely apolitical <laughs> podcast that we host about movies. Yeah, we've always been apolitical, point of pride. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It, I think I need like another two days maybe to, to let that, that movie sit with me. But yeah, it just seems like it just kind of is. And. It's entertaining and it's it's tense and like especially during that you know card game robbery. Oh yeah, that there like, was a I, lot of like. There were good scenes, but overall, it just kind of like the mm-hmm. dialogue scenes were just a little boring. Yeah, because it was just a shot, b shot. Hmm. So that was the that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. I see you rewatch Color Out of Space, Bonnie and Clyde, and you're going down an isekai rabbit hole. Yeah, so rewatch Color Out of Space first, I guess. Um, and you and I had watched that before, and that movie's great. I like that movie. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. There was a lot of that movie that I did not remember going into the rewatch, and I don't know why. I mean, maybe just staring at the Eldritch Horror. Uh, my mind blocked it out, but a lot of the, the color stuff out of space just really, really affected you, huh? Yeah, it's um, loosely based on Lovecraftian fiction. Um, There's a lot less racism in it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's mostly why I say loosely based. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of body horror, a lot of unspeakable terror, that sort of thing. And uh, apparently I had just forgotten a lot of that. Like I knew that it was bad and I knew that it like bad stuff was coming. But you forgot how terrible it gets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, those uh those poor llamas, that poor dog, <laughs> right? that poor mother and son, <laughs> that poor other son, that poor girl, mm-hmm. that poor horse. Those poor cops. That poor cat. Nothing goes right for a lot of people. Only the water inspector makes it out. And even he is like, I am affected deeply and I will never be the same. Yeah. No, I thought that was good. That and Mandy, like, are two great. Mandy is a Nicolas Cage vehicle, but Color Out of Space is a little more ensemble, but Nick Cage Mm -hmm. plays a major part of it, obviously. Yeah. Um, doing doing like a weird uh, whatever you ripped my shirt <laughs> um, doing a weird Trump impression half the time but uh, in color out of space oh but yeah color then out of space I, I liked yeah. his character in color out of space because like he felt a little more like a real person in that mm-hmm. and then it like amps up as the 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 craziness amps up, he amps up with it. So like he never stood out as like, Oh, he's being Nick cage. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's even a a great part later in that film where like, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a great part where like you see like this switch being flipped back and forth. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, this is all that's not good. (laughs) Right. Um, 
but yeah, Color Out of Space is great. So what uh, what made you want to rewatch Bonnie and Clyde? Oh, I didn't rewatch it. Just we uh, haven't talked about it on the podcast, I don't think. No, I don't think we did. We watched Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That movie, that 1968 classic. Uh, about two young kids that only killed a few people, but robbed not a lot of money and were brutally gunned down on the side of the road. Yeah. Totally yeah. not relevant to the times. <laughs> no one yeah. getting gunned down by the side of the road these days. Just a couple of kids looking for a little independence and freedom. And the system stomping on their head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's all bad, folks. Yeah, that's, sure. That's been us for the Mash Cup podcast. <laughs> we'll be back with another depressing. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Anyway, and then and then I've just been t- just binging isekai audiobooks. Um, if you're not familiar, isekai is generally young moody kids who get transported into a VR world and play a game possibly for their life or with farther reaching consequences. And it's, and they're all special. They're all graced with divine purpose. And that's what I've been absorbing the most of this past week, but I'm not going to get too deep into it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just need that. That just pure yeah. escapism. Literally, <laughs> I, from, from the characters. <laughs> yeah, I call it my literary junk food because it's it's sweet and it's easy and it's short and it's filling for a time but doesn't weigh you down. It's Yeah, junk food never weighs you down. <laughs> it's junk food. It's junk you food. Get a, you get a little rush. Um, I watched The Thing. The original, 1984. Nice, uh, definitely because it's Spooktober, <laughs> right? We are we are into it. The skeletons um, have risen, begin their march, and you know they're they'll they'll knock on your door for calcium, <laughs> dude, dude. Um, uh, that movie is amazing. Uh, every scene, like again. It's probably Carpenter's best film. Like that mm-hmm. and Big Trouble in Little China are probably my my two favorite John Carpenter films. Um, I also have a... I mean, I like a lot of his films, but like those two are probably the best ones. Yeah. Um, just fully realize and like they do a thing and then they... Uh, and that they don't overstay their welcome. <laughs> the most important part. Yeah. But, um, and then, uh, watching, uh, uh, rewatching through with my, uh, roommate, the haunting of, of Hill house. Hmm. And that, that is such a good show. <laughs> what is, uh, what's the, is it like American horror story or, uh, I think they intend to do that with a second season, whenever that second season eventually comes out or never because COVID, um, but uh, the first season is like each episode kind of follows a different sibling or member of this mm. family that lived in the house and like what they experienced on these days and whatnot. And it kind of gives you a, a sense of who they are as a person. 
Uh, fuck Shirley. She's, I hate her. <laughs> uh, she's the only one that I, all my homies hate Shirley. <laughs> she's the worst. Um, and it's just really good. Just really solid acting all around. Like, uh, the, 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 the young kids that are actors in it are great. Uh, the little girl that played, uh, Tonya, young Tonya Harding, uh, aged like, you know, thir- 12 or 10 or whatever it was, you know, not eight to 12, um, yeah. McKenna Grace. Yeah. She's in uh haunting of Hill house. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was like, Oh, she's good because I've seen her in haunting <laughs> of Hill house. Yeah. She's got but. that sleepy face. <laughs> Speaking of I, Tanya. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a movie that we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. This episode's matchup is about parental expectations, striving for perfection, and doing whatever it takes to get there. So lace up your skates, adjust your bindings, and watch out for people who just won't shut up. It's time for Molly's Game versus I, Tanya. So what was your experience with these movies before we watched them for the podcast? So I saw Molly's Game in uh, theaters with my mother because she loves Aaron Sorkin and I like Jessica Chastain, Aaron Sorkin, and Idris Elba. And it's like, yeah, it seems like a good movie. We saw it right. we were both like, it was a good movie. <laughs> uh, oh, didn't think Spoilers. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> didn't think much of it until I saw it pop up on Netflix and then... Um, like I, I did a little more delving into Molly Bloom and kind of like her story and all that. And uh, yeah, interesting story. Like there's, yeah. there's uh, I think this is a really good pairing. I didn't actually get around to seeing I, Tanya in theaters, but I know it got a lot of Oscar buzz from uh, Margot Robbie's performance and she did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I'm really showing some range that wasn't just Harley Quinn. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, which no shade on the character of Harley Quinn or Margot Robbie, just unfortunate implications in this day and age of that kind of relationship being displayed. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that the relationship in I, Tanya is any healthier, but Oh no, but it's we'll not, get it, to that. It, there's no, there's no people being like hashtag relationship goals, Joker and Harley Yeah. for, you know, hashtag relationship goals, <laughs> Jeff and Tanya. Yeah. I um, would just love a man who would kneecap my rival for me. Yeah, <laughs> that was a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I was pleasantly i I enjoyed I Tanya. I was really engaged. Nice. Um, for me, I both of these movies I watched for the first time uh, for this. I had never even heard of Molly's Game. I think like. Maybe my parents had mentioned it to me once and it was just like, oh yeah, this movie. And then uh, I, Tanya, I had heard of for the same reasons, you know, the Oscar buzz and Margot Robbie. And I ended up. Didn't she win an Oscar for it? Um, or was she just nominated? I, I want to say at least nominated. I think um, the woman who played her mother, uh, Allison Janney, I think won. Mm. Uh, yes, Allison Janney won, Margot Robbie and Tatiana uh, Regal were both nominated. Uh, Tatiana Regal was uh, the editor. Okay, thank you. I was like, who, yep. who, is, who is that? <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, I, I watched both of these for the first time. Um, 
Yeah, I think like you, I was really pleasantly surprised at how well they kind of lined up in terms of Olympic athletes and the strange roads they walked down. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for the bacon number, fun fact, uh, if we're just looking at Jessica Chastain and, and Margot Robbie, it's Jessica Chastain in the Martian with Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan is in Itania with Margot Robbie. So it's like two degrees for the lead actors, but like one degree for the movies. Yeah, they're one degree separated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so both of these movies at one point uh, were rated a 7.5 on IMDb. Uh, Molly's Game is the one that dropped by 0.1. Uh, but one of them must be better than the other. So let's find out right after this quick break. Molly's Game is a 2017 movie written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, starring Jessica Chastain, Idris Ilba, Michael Sarah, and Kevin Costner. Aaron Sorkin is best known for The West Wing, A Few Good Men, The Social Network, and getting arrested with magic mushrooms at the airport. <laughs> Molly Bloom was an Olympic hopeful for the 2002 Winter Games in Utah. On her last run to qualify for the, the American Olympic team, a freak accident sends her whole life into a spiral. Molly eventually winds up hosting an exclusive invite-only poker game filled with celebrities on the Sunset Strip. From there, a series of setbacks and bold moves eventually ends with up with her entangled in a RICO case with organized crime in New York. You know, one thing led to another, and then <laughs> uh, I, Tanya is also a 2017 movie written by Stephen Rogers and directed by Craig Gillespie, starring Margot Robbie, Sebastian Stan, and Allison Chaney. Writer Stephen Rogers, in addition to I, Tanya, is best known for Hope Floats, Love the Coopers, and Stepmom. Director Craig Gillespie is known for several Disney movies, such as Million Dollar Arm and The Finest Hour, as well as Lars and the Real Girl, where Ryan Gosling plays a man who falls in love with a sex doll. Tanya Harding is a talented up-and-coming figure skater on the rise, and while her overbearing and abusive mother pushed her harder than was probably necessary, Tanya still loves skating. However, the skating world at large doesn't love her for it, turning up their nose at her muscular frame, no-nonsense attitude, and rural upbringing. As Tanya approaches another shot at the Olympics, the biggest obstacle in her way is Nancy Kerrigan, but not if her ex-husband and her his idiot friend have anything to say about it. God, he is stupid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll, we'll probably get into like how closely these movies line up with real world events, but that is exactly how stupid uh, Sean was. I think that's Just... even giving him too much credit. <laughs> Like, he's, he's a real dumbass. Like, he's the kind of guy that would have subscribed to Soldier of Fortune and written in the classifieds of, like, hired gun, willing to do any work. <laughs> yeah. He would be on the dark net plugging his services right now. No, he's too dumb to access the dark net. Yeah, that's probably true. He would he think would, he's on the dark net, but he'd really be Craigslist. It would be Craigslist back page. <laughs> and you get taken down in a sting operation. Yeah. Uh, so which one did you like more? We're just going to get right into it, huh? Hell yeah. <laughs> Give the people what they want. <laughs> um, I mean, personally for me, it was I, Tanya. Yeah. Um, I felt like the performances were stronger. The characters were a little more interesting to me um 
I don't want to harp on the length, um, but you know, Molly's game felt a little long. It, it was a little long, I thought. I but, think it uses a lot of that time. I'd say the middle is where it drags a bit, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of that time is uh, spent well. Uh, yeah, it's still good. Like, don't get me wrong. I I would watch it again. But I if we're going to compare the two. Yeah. I think which I, we Tanya, are. Yeah, oh, if we're, oh, well, <laughs> since you put it that way. I think I, Tanya, does a better job of, like, being a movie, but also feeling like, oh, this is an actual series of events. And, like, the performances that the, the actors are asked to give feels a lot more, like, true to life. Mm-hmm. And then the script is obviously a lot more grounded in terms of like the, the dialogue and the writing and the, the reactions and all that. Right. It doesn't and have that Aaron Sorkin paced that, dialogue. That's what I was going to say. Aaron Sorkin, great dialogue. Like yeah. just, uh, Molly Bloom casually dropping the crucible stuff in. <laughs> it's like, and then Idris Elba responding, you read the crucible. It's a really good play. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. Um, I think Idris Elba is just, he steals every scene he's in in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because he's definitely. just that good. Idris Elba for Bond. <laughs> oh, God, I wish. With an age-appropriate Bond girl, please, just this once. Can we- no, okay. I'm only going to say no <laughs> as the, on this tangent because... They're going to give the first black Bond the age-appropriate woman? Come on. Give him... (laughs) I just want every Bond to have an age-appropriate love interest. I agree. Sex interest, whatever it is. (laughs) Object of desire and reward for for saving the day. For king and country, James. Queen and country. For queen and country? No. For me. (laughs) They start out age appropriate, and then the the they keep getting older, but the girls stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. Uh, but yes, I would support Idris Elba for Bond. Um, the scene where he's kind of tearing down the prosecution of like mm-hmm. she hasn't done anything wrong. This is all she did. It's ridiculous that you're going after her. Like. Oh, it's just like, yeah, injustice, and the criminal justice system is flawed, and how dare they treat just someone who's caught up in it as the same because they're refusing to roll over. (laughs) Yeah. It was... Well, first I'll say, love Aaron Sorkin's dialogue. You know, it, it... it's characters who like to just don't take a bunch of shit. And it almost feels like they respect you as an audience. They're like, look, you don't have to listen to this garbage. I'll call them out. Don't you worry. <laughs> you know, I'll get to the bottom of this stuff. And the dialogue I, is very snappy and it's not wasted, but there mm-hmm. is a lot of it. Cause he likes writing and like, yeah. Th- and I, I can definitely agree with your point. Um, I was feeling partially because when I was watching it though, that I, Tanya dragged a little bit towards the end, hmm. but I did really like I, Tanya's presentation with the aspect ratio change of like these like home video recordings for the, uh, the interviews with them now, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there is nice allusions to the, like a, a nature of an unreliable narrator in uh, I, Tanya. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, Tanya's like, oh, my skate was, you know, repaired and it was off. So that's why I, I missed all these jumps. And it cuts to her, like, 
drinking, uh, eating a whole <laughs> bunch, playing pool, yeah. smoking cigarettes. It's like, you sure about that, Tanya? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I, that's I've, part of a reason. <laughs> I found the um, the fourth wall breaking stuff a little like I didn't need it when they just like straight up turned to the camera and just like, oh yeah, Jeff can talk his way out of anything. That's fair. But like, I assume that that event actually happened where. Yes. Like from, from my understanding it did. And that just goes to show the failings of the criminal justice system and its inability to protect the innocent and the abuse and the marginalized. Uh. <laughs> like that's something that I was actually really surprised of is that both of them have this through line of the, of of society failing these people that were mm-hmm. supposed to be representative of us. It's like, that's not a good look really. Yeah. Yeah. Like Molly Bloom, like that's more like, Oh, this freak accident occurred that was well beyond. Like there's no way to account for that. Really? Yeah. You know, she completely like had to get her back reconstructed again. <laughs> right. Uh, to be even able to walk and you know obviously she can't be an olympic downhill slalom skier slalom right that she was uh freestyle i think that's right which is yeah who knows with skiing like mm. whatever (laughs) white rich white moguls downhill freestyle slalom uh, it's too much too much skiing um and like the whole thing is, this is what she not, did. To not enough stuff. curling. <laughs> you know, you don't hear about the big skinnels in curling. I'm sure there is one. <laughs> there. Side note, tangent. There is one. Um, it's there's one in a Netflix series. Um, I think it's called like the Losers, um, or just called Losers. It's a sport documentary, and one of the uh, series is about curling and kind of this team who. Uh, who kind of broke some of the the gentlemanly conventions of curling and kind of just dunked on all these teams and ended up ended up losing in the end but they basically reshaped curling. That's my curling story. I love curling. Like honestly. <laughs> curling is one of those dark horses that has become way more popular than you would have expected. Anyway, we're not talking <laughs> about curling. Back we're to talking the failures about- of the US justice system. <laughs> We're talking about the failures of the U.S. justice system today on the Match Cut podcast. <laughs> um, An apolitical podcast. You know, at the end of both these movies, uh, there's like a verdict rendered. Um, Molly Blooms is a lot more like hopeful in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know if it's true that the judge, like after hearing the facts of the case, made this kind of snap decision and it just like ignored the recommendation of the prosecution is like this punishment does not fit the crime that this woman is accused of. And so I'm throwing all these out. She has to pay these taxes and all that. It's like, it's an insane number, but she's not going to jail because she doesn't deserve to go to jail. Right. Right. She ran in a fucking poker game. Like just because it wasn't in a garage. Like she ran a poker game and she protected herself by taking a rake. A rake is when you take a certain percentage off the table that you were going to pay yourself because if you can't cover it, then people might break your legs or do worse things to you. Yeah. Which happens to her. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, there's some unsavory people on the East Coast that use poker games as a way to launder their money. 
Right, right. And at a point, they wanted Molly Bloom to launder their money exclusively for them. (laughs) Needless to say, as a fiercely independent woman, uh, individual woman, you know, nothing to do with that, really. But I think it's kind of important that her, her gender is definitely a contributing factor to a lot that happens to her. Yeah. Yeah. And she she plays up, she plays up aspects of it as well. Like, I mean, Jessica Chastain is an attractive woman. Indeed she is. I have seen pictures of Molly Bloom and Molly Bloom is, is an attractive woman. Yeah. And she talks about like playing the Cinemax version of herself. Yeah. You know, very intentionally. And, uh, and also the U S justice system, you know, sucks (laughs) sucks <laughs> uh and the the really the the really sad parallel that i saw was in i in i tanya when tanya harding after the verdict is you know given the the big crushing thing for her is she is barred from competing in any professional level skating yeah and she like pleads with the judge it's been my whole life i, I don't care like send me to jail so mm-hmm. that I can still skate. It's all I know. Like, it's a similar sentiment that I think Molly Bloom kind of like, that's why she just kind of finds her way into running poker games is like literally freestyle skiing was her whole life. Yeah. And that's taken away from her due to no faults of her own necessarily. I would say I, Tanya, Tanya Harding has some culpability in what occurred there. But like a little bit, yeah. But not to the degree that popular culture has condemned her for. <laughs> right. A lot of people remember, like, well, quote unquote, remember, you know, Tanya Harding like taking the bat herself to Which was a great Nancy scene Kerrigan. In the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I kind of would have I kind of wish that they would have focused a little bit on maybe their relationship as competitors and like apparently mm-hmm. friends. Like that doesn't yeah. seem dishonest what you know. Margot Robbie as Tanya Harding says that like we were friends. We shared rooms on the road when we were competing for the nationals. Like, and it shows mm-hmm. like a little montage of them, you know, drinking beer and, you know, roughhousing and just being, <laughs> you know, you know, being like friends. teenagers together, yeah, teenagers, you know, they like were. they're, yeah, was, they're not, they're not old. They, they were only Tanya Harding was only 23 when people were already calling her career over and done with. Mm-hmm. Which is insane. Age out like an esport athlete. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Tanya Harding should get into esports. <laughs> I mean, she did try her hand at boxing. Didn't which, she went three and three? You know, which, uh, hey, not bad. For never boxing before that point, <laughs> yeah. going even. I couldn't go even. <laughs> right. Um, I know I couldn't. <laughs> um, um one point I want to make about Molly's game is I kind of wish, and it's a, a key part of Molly's like life story is like her integrity. Mm-hmm. Like she is willing to admit her own culpability and faults, but she will not turn on anyone because it's not my place. Yeah. You know, like I, I wasn't involved in these things. People told me these things, but that was in confidence and I'm not going to break that confidence. Like, yeah. Uh, a reason her book, her first, you know, her book 
was not a massive success and all that is because she refused to name names that weren't already given away in other in other court cases. Yeah, and turned down five movie deals, you know, obviously before this one stuck, but and I got to wonder if that was like no, Aaron Sarkin's writing it based on your book. It's like and you get did did she have an executive producer on it? Um I don't know. So, um but the one thing is Michael Sarah plays a great dirtbag. <laughs> uh, his amalgamation yeah. player X was an amalgamation that people assume uh, is a combination of Ben Affleck, Robert Rodriguez and uh, Toby Maguire. Mm. And that um, it's mostly uh, Toby Maguire. I feel because other people have written other books now talking about how insane he is kind of really. In right. Private. And, and uh, Michael Sarah is that kind of like, Oh, you wouldn't expect it from this person. Just like Toby Maguire. Exactly. He's Spider-Man. He's Seabiscuit <laughs> trainer. Like, everyone likes Toby he's Maguire. A, he's a Turns hobbit. Up, What's he going to do? Huh? No, that's a, that's Elijah Wood. That is Elijah Wood. <laughs> uh, didn't he play harry potter nope <laughs> that's a joke that they both know about and people mm-hmm. confuse elijah wood and daniel radcliffe all the time that was genuinely confusing the two though um, you know it's just like short guys with like the super round faces yeah yeah no i understand why you confuse <laughs> toby Maguire with them but like by all accounts elijah wood and daniel radcliffe are kind people like nice mm-hmm. to fans and all that whereas Tobey Maguire is a sociopath <laughs> that ruins people's lives because he can. Because <laughs> it's fun. Allegedly. What gets me allegedly. up in the morning. Allegedly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I liked Michael Sarah's player X character as just this like, oh, you think he's so nice. And it's like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like halfway through Molly's game, it's like, Similar to um, uh, killing them softly. It's just like, w- what is this about? Like, what are we learning here? Like, the American the criminal f- justice system is flawed. <laughs> yeah, it's got the framing device of the legal battle, but like the story is supposed to be the poker game. But also, the game does like you. For me, I definitely felt that that I felt that feeling of like not caring about the game because she wasn't naming names. It's just like, okay, like there's this poker game. And I, I kind of felt like before knowing the, um, Tobey Maguire stuff, like is Michael Sarah the right person for this role? Like, is the joke just to be like, can you imagine Michael Sarah acting like this? Um, but yeah, I definitely, I felt what the book publishers were saying. Like, who cares if you're not naming names? Like, oh, there's some Austrian royalty. Like, I don't know Austrian royalty. Like, some dude who hangs out in Commerce Casino. Like, eh. But yeah, what do you think about the ending of Molly's game? Because for me, it comes down to like, you know, her main thesis is all I have is my name. Like, and I'll never have another one. So... That is what I, that's, I think, super Aaron Sorkin about it. Mm -hmm. I think he's literally like, oh, this reminds me of The Crucible. 
Yeah. And so, like, I'm just going to adapt this story to be a little more like The Crucible. It's a witch hunt. Get it? Get it? Get <laughs> it? Um, yeah. And it, it does beat you over the head a little bit with it by literally having, like, The Crucible, like, quoted and talked about within the screenplay and the story. <laughs> um, I like it. I think it has some of the best scenes. I think the dialogue scenes are a little more engaging in um, Molly's game, just from a cinematography way. Like they weren't going for an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like the like. Well, it, I, w- I would say Molly's game dialogue is all about an aesthetic. Is that Aaron Sorkin aesthetic? That's that's what I mean. They weren't going for a visual aesthetic, is what I was oh, uh, okay, gonna gotcha. gonna say. Uh, to the same like visually, I Tanya, it, they're both doing a biopic about real events and real people that are still alive. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're both doing those things uh, in very different ways. Molly's game mm-hmm. is like a traditional biopic where here's a story. Here's the starting point. We're going to tell you da, 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 da. We're going to explain it all from beginning to end and then use this frame devices. Like she's going to trial. Um, yeah. Well, she's going over the past that all this happened with. Whereas I, Tanya is like a chronological thing, but it's framed as like a documentary interview that is happening contemporaneously to when it came out or at least, you know, later after the events occurred. Yeah. But going back to the Molly's game thing real quick, um, I feel like with like the, all I have is my name. It's like, well then why are you doing like, questionably legal stuff like didn't that tarnish your name like what do you is it only you can tarnish your name and then you do the time for it and then like and then you're fine because like your name is still getting dragged regardless and so it kind of like never made sense to me that i guess she did it to her own self so it's okay and she won't do it to other people I think kind of the thesis that both movies are making or the statement they're making is that both these women would not compromise who they are as a person Mm -hmm. for success in their fields, whatever their fields were. Whereas, you know, Molly's game delves a little bit more into like her family and the fact that like everyone in her family is a a massive overachiever (laughs) with apparently like one of her brothers is a quarterback or some shit for an NFL team. Yeah, no, no names popped into mind for me. I don't remember a bloom. Well, it would be whatever bloom. <laughs> yeah, um, and then like another one of her brothers is like a U.S. senator or something. Yeah, I mean, we could look it up like right but, now, even, but we but, won't. Yeah, we'll we'll speculate. <laughs> we'll speculate, but like, and that her fought like she felt like a disappointment and a failure all these times over and over again. It's like no, I'm your father. I'm in love with you always kind of thing, <laughs> but I'm also kind of a scumbag and you knew it. And that's what changed about us. Yeah. That, that, that scene was a little like, all right, <laughs> it's a movie. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> the, it definitely feels more movie. Whereas I, Tanya feels more like, yeah, we're going to embellish and, you know, make it a fun, interesting narrative. But I get a better sense of who Tanya Harding was at that time and her upbringing and like kind of doesn't hold punches. Like 
Mm-hmm. Literally, there there is a lot of domestic abuse in this movie. Yeah. And Tanya is at the receiving end of all of it. Yeah. Like she had a a tough life up to that yeah. point. And she wasn't going to make any apologies for it. And so like that whole like the system keeping her down like you know, we have an image to portray when she's like, she's just sincerely asking the judge, what do I have to do to get the scores I deserve? Because mm-hmm. I'm landing all my jumps. I can do the triple axel. The first <laughs> American to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't sweeping the, the judges because she wasn't what the, it's like, ah, oh, friggin' politics and the broken criminal <laughs> justice system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the broken figure skate judging system. Yeah. Um, one of the things that kind of s- also snapped me out of I, Tanya, besides the, like, fourth wall breaks, was I guess because I knew more about the Tanya Harding story, I was constantly, like, kind of looking at it for, like, okay, you know, what what are they punching up here? What are they what like never happened or what's like absolutely true. And I I found it a little distracting and that's, you know, that's on me, but that was my experience with it was more than Molly's game where I'm just like, I know nothing about this. Like, let's go for a ride. Take me, take me away. Fast talking Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) (laughs) The, I, I I can see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. It didn't affect me as much. So, you know, this is definitely a interesting critique due to individuals knowledge level on the events. I knew of what occurred, but my mind was more of the like, oh, yeah, it was Tanya Harding that, you know, hit her in the leg kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but it was that that was it. I, I cared nothing more about that. Like, it was news to me that she was actually able to co- allowed to compete in the Lilyhammer games and all that. <laughs> right. And she just, she she came in eighth. Yeah, and came in fourth at the Olympics. You know, Molly Bloom's worst nightmare. The, well, no, she came in fourth at the previous, the Paris game. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't even know she went to two Olympics. Like <laughs> That one somehow escaped me as well. So well, I think that has to do with that weird rule change where it's like, oh, it's only going to be in two years, not four. Yeah, yeah, very... She was right place, right time. I think also with the um, I, Tanya dialogue, like obviously the Molly's game dialogue is very punched up. It's the very fast talking, let's walk and talk, you know, West Wing style. <laughs> in fact, well, to be fair, it's all sitting and talking. Yeah. Oh, it's a little sidebar. Did you notice how um, Molly Bloom's, I think their glasses, her glasses are digitally replaced probably to avoid like weird reflections in whatever studio they had, but I, to be honest, I wasn't looking at the at Jessica Ch- Chastain's glasses. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But something that definitely stuck out for me, or something I think was going on, is they digitally added lenses into her glasses to avoid reflections from like movie lights or something. Makes sense. But, <laughs> but you know, like Molly's game has that that Aaron Sorkin dialogue, and also I think I Tanya. You know, because it has to be a movie and because it has to communicate a certain amount of things in a certain amount of time has that dialogue where it's like, this is what those characters like wish they said or what these actual people wish they said in that situation. Like, this is how it went, you know, in their shower later when they were replaying the conversation. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think I Tanya is misrepresenting itself as like, no, this is a hundred percent true to life. Like mm-hmm. they make a point in a training, a literal training montage that like <laughs> Tanya yeah. Harding did this and this <laughs> and this. It's like, man, she she trained hard. Mm-hmm. to get back into shape to compete at the Lily Hammer game. It looks like she chops wood. She does. <laughs> yeah. So f- for that, just a little bit of that was just like, uh, you know, it was a little distracting for me, but what are you going to do? Like, not not that it detracts from the movie, just distracts. So do you think both of these deserve to be at a 7.5? I think so. I would, I mean... IMDb's ratings are a little skewed because I think like the highest is like a 9.4, like nothing ever reaches a 10 in the way that you would like because they aggregate it. Like if you were writing for a magazine or whatever that did a 10 scale, like you would have some that are a 10 and you would. So I would put these at an eight. I would round up to that eight. That's what I I was. Yeah, yeah. I would put both of these at an eight, especially I, Tanya. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a, like as much as awards don't matter and they're not representative of, you know, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> like I, Tanya was a really good movie and it was Academy Award nominated. Like, yeah, for good reason, for good reason. <laughs> I just don't think enough people got to see it. And that's why it's at the score. Like it has. Yeah. Molly's game was also uh, Oscar nominated for best adapted screenplay for Aaron. Shocking. Sorkin. They wanted to give Aaron Sorkin an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a surprise? Uh, we, we actually never did really talk about the Oscar winner, Allison Janney, in her role as Tanya's uh, absolute devil of a mother i hate her i want to punch <laughs> her in the face she's a terrible human being and the fact that she felt real like <laughs> yeah that's that's the that's the most disturbing part okay that's another degree of separation allison janning was on the west wing written by Aaron sorkin yeah yeah not their first time working on set together well no i tanya oh yes okay. what if Aaron sorkin wrote i tanya There'd be a lot more fast talking dialogue. <laughs> um, but yeah, two really good movies. And I think like with the eight kind of comes the recommendation of like, if you got a chance to watch it and it seems interesting, like definitely watch it. Yeah. Uh, Molly's game is still on Netflix. Uh, give it a whirl as of October, 2020. And I, Tanya is, I believe also on Netflix, but I'm I'm checking it real quick. I think you're right, actually. Why did I even download it? I mean, oh no, it's it's on uh it's on Hulu. Ah, uh, it was on Netflix, I'm sure, at one point, but it is on Hulu right now or any of the pay to rent sites. Those terrible things. (laughs) I mean, it's not like you're going to be able to go out to the movie theaters anytime soon. Am I right? (laughs) Imagine living in a country where this is almost over. Imagine living in a country where it is over. You goddamn (laughs) Kiwis. Yeah. Did you hear Dune got delayed till October, 2021? That does not surprise me. (laughs) Um, I'm glad because I wanted to, I want to see Dune in theaters. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely watch both of these movies. Um, I think that is going to do it for us for this episode. 
I do have one more fun fact, uh, if you want to hear it. Uh, do you know why they call it figure skating? Uh, I do not. It's because they used to actually skate figures on the ice. Like they would do circles or figure eights or um, something similar. And then they would be judged on how close they got to the original shape. They would do it like 10 times around a figure and then would be judged on how close the path they carved into the ice was. Huh. So it was originally about like a technical like mm-hmm. expertise rather than what it became. Yeah. Kind of pageantry and, and you got to look like a princess and have grown up on white bread, bologna sandwiches and your mother's love and, and whatever, have a whatever it coat is as a 12 year old. <laughs> yeah. But you know, m- make them out of rabbits if you have to. Um, so yeah, so we'll be back, uh, next month with a good old something. I think this, uh, oh, I know what we're doing, uh, in honor of Spooktober at the end of this month, uh, we are doing, uh, Shaun of the Dead versus Dawn of the Dead. It's a, it's a battle of the deads (laughs) and the Dawn of the Dead, what we're watching is the Uh, 71. The original, not the Zack Schneider remake. Right. Uh, so Dawn of the or Shaun of the Dead is available on uh, Cinemax through Amazon or or Max Go, their independent streaming service. Because everyone has to have a streaming service these days. Cable 2.0. <laughs> yeah, the seven, 1978 Dawn of the Dead, uh, which doesn't look like is streaming anywhere. So, you know. Huh? Find that one on your own. It's not in the public domain, like uh, not a living dead, is it? I don't believe so. I would have. I would be. I'm surprised that something like uh, Shudder doesn't have it, which is like uh, all horror movies. Uh, you know, I, I think Dawn of the Dead is in one of those weird rights categories. Like, mm-hmm. there's like uh, like Italian companies that own distribution rights to it, and there's like. And it's all like a tangled mishmash. And now that George Romero is dead, like the George Romero state. Yeah. Uh, if there's one thing I truly hate, it's estates and rights management <laughs> anymore. Yeah. It's like, we got to eat because we didn't, you know, uh, we as a family didn't plan on doing anything productive by ourselves. So we need to protect what our, you know, parents did as hard as possible. So. Yeah. My, my nest egg. Living the boomer dream. <laughs> yeah. Getting the fruits of someone else's labor. Uh, the greediest generation. Okay. Boomer. <laughs> Whatever you say, boomer. Uh, so we'll be so, back at the end of the month with. <laughs> yeah. With uh, two of the deads. Lots of dead. Hmm. Uh, 200,000 dead. Anyway, for this apolitical (laughs) movie podcast, I've been Aaron. And I've been Matt. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. The price is right. (laughs) Come on down.